All right, we'll take our Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 26. And good morning to everybody and to those that are looking in on the broadcast and the video. Excuse me. I have a stuffed up nose and I have trouble blowing my nose, so I just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> you see me sniffling and snuffling away. Don't pay attention to it. We're in Matthew 26. We've been going through the Gospels chronologically. And we're in, and as I said, Matthew 26, and we'll be jumping over to John and back and forth here and there. But right now we're looking at this portion right here, and we're at about two days before the cross, before the Passover. And we're going to have a look at, we're going to touch on, but we're going to review from verse 1, and then we're going to continue on down to verse 14 is where we want to go today. Verse 13 and 14 have uh, the point that we're making here. Um, but let's have a word of prayer first of all. Father, we just thank you for your grace and thank you for this time for us to gather together. Indeed, Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the Son of God who went to Calvary's cross for all people, for all our sinners. And all could be saved, Lord, if they would just turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Turn to your Son. We just thank you. Help us as we look into this portion now, Lord, and bless us with the truths of it. Help us to understand it. And speak to our hearts, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just back up a little bit, first of all. We want to um, uh, just review for those that weren't here. Last week, we were looking at, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, verse 6, not from verse 1, I think I said that. From verse 6, when Jesus was at Bethany um, in the house of Simon the leper, you notice that the Lord gives us some information there, and it's very important to give us that information that he was in Bethany, that he was in the house of Simon the leper. Um, we're looking at, uh, first of all, the anointing of, of uh, Mary, uh, anointing the Lord. Uh, there's three accounts of it in the Gospels, and I'm quite, uh, I don't know the word really, I kind of marvel and wonder at, I was looking at uh, one uh, early, earlier today, one book, uh, uh, this the writers are fantastic writers and great Christians, but they don't get this thing. That most of them are saying it's all just one, one, uh, one thing. But these are three separate incidences, as we can see, because the Lord gives us the um, information we need to study it out and see that each one is separate. And also in looking at the anointings of the Lord from Mary, and we'll get to that about Mary in a minute, is that it helps us in our... Um, study of the Bible and how to study the Bible. And we come to a passage, passage like this, oft times we would look at when we read through about the anointing and such, but we leave off, sometimes we leave off the, the little points and such. We read our Bibles too fast, perhaps, or something like that. He says, when Jesus was in Bethany, that's a hint, that's a clue, we, and we use that, in the house of Simon the leper. We have way back, let me just review quickly if I can, back in Luke chapter 7, excuse me, verses 37 and 38. Now, at Luke chapter 7, that was, um, I'm not sure if it's the first year or the second year of the Lord Jesus' ministry, but it's way back at the beginning uh, of his earthly ministry, okay? And they were in the house of a Pharisee. Now, this Pharisee was called Simon too. That's why some people get mixed up. Well, this one's Simon, so it must be the same. Well, no, it's a different place. And it's a different time, Okay? <clears throat> And that first one, um, it says uh, that the alabaster box was opened or broken. That meant the seal was broken so it could be poured out. 
at the Pharisee's house named Simon and Mary washed his feet, but Luke chapter 7 doesn't tell us it was Mary. John chapter 11 verse 12 says, and it refers, this, this is that Mary that washed the Lord's feet, referring back to Luke chapter 7. So make sure you're writing this stuff down so you can look it up yourself and familiarize yourself with it, not just take my word for it and see it right there before you in the Bible. I washed his feet and it was a woman who was a sinner came to Jesus. We were talking about her earlier. And John 11 says that this is Mary. Okay? And uh, uh, she comes, he's a sinner, and the, the Pharisees, he thinks within himself, if he was a prophet, he would know the kind of woman this is, that she's a sinner. And she's crying, and she's anointing the Lord's feet, and then she's wiping, her, I, think, I think that's important, she wipes her feet with her, with her hair and all that. And uh, um, this being in, I'm not sure, as I say, I'm not sure if it's the second year of the Lord Jesus' ministry, but it was very early on. She came to the Lord Jesus in repentance. Okay. In repentance for her sins. She knew who he was or who he is. And she brought, came to her came to, to him and anointed him and cried over him and he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Isn't that amazing? That's the first um, incident of this lady, and it's Mary, she's named, of anointing his, anointing the Lord Jesus. The second time is in John chapter 12. Now you're getting on. The first one in Luke 7, you're looking at the early part of the Lord Jesus' ministry, and now in John chapter 12, it tells us six days before the Passover. And the Passover day and the cross day were the same day, because he had to be killed on the Passover day. It was Nisan 14 was goes right along with Exodus chapter 12. It was six days before the Passover. So you, right from that you can see you can't reconcile those two things as being one thing. They're two complete separate things. The time separates them by years. And it was at Bethany. Okay. It was in Bethany. In the first one in Luke 7, the Lord Jesus was up in the Galilee area ministry. Okay. That's where he went first and started the ministry and such up there. In John 12, he's down in the Jerusalem area now, in John chapter 12, verse 3. And it's Mary uh, at Martha's house. Mary at Martha's house anoints the Lord's feet with spikenard six days before the Passover, six days before the cross. And an important point here, and I think one of the uh, main points of these three things, no, I shouldn't say it that way, but a very important point of, of this um, is that in the first one, in Luke 7, nobody objects to the anointing of the Lord Jesus, of the using up of this very costly um, uh, uh, perfume. And you work it out, it's something like a year's wages to buy it. Like it's very expensive, okay? But the second one in John 12 tells us that Judas objects. You know, why was this done? We could have sold it and given the money to the poor. And it tells us in the Bible that he was a thief. That's what he didn't care about the poor. He wanted the money because he was the one that kept the bag, the money bag. Eh? Okay, that's a, sep a completely separate incident from Luke seven, but it's the same person. It's Mary again. And then the one we're looking at here in Matthew twenty six is the third one because it tells us um, uh, where he is. He's at the house of Simon the leper. 
And we know that Simon, at this point, is probably probably not a leper at all anymore. Why? Well, Jesus probably healed him, eh? He's not going to go to visit him in his house and say, Hey, how's leprosy doing with, with you, you know? <laughs> he would have healed him, eh? Yeah. And this is at the home of Simon the leper. A woman with an alabaster box. This Four days earlier, Mary anointed him. And now it says a woman. Now, that's why I call her Mary, because you know, just... It just sounds like Mary something she would do. But she does not anoint his feet. She's anointing his head. And it runs down in verse um, verse, uh, verse 7. It says it poured it on his head. And down in verse 12, the Lord is saying that she has poured this on my body. She poured it on his head and it ran down on his body for, the, for his anointing, for his burial. Okay, and this was at the house of Simon the leper two days before the cross. This is the same person. This is Mary again, more than likely. Okay, and uh, what we have here, though, what takes place? Remember, at the last one, the second one, six days before the cross, Judas objects to the use of this uh, 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 spikenard to anoint the Lord, thinking it's a waste. Here in Matthew 26, it says. Um, that the disciples objected, and over in Mark 14 it says some of them objected to it. Okay, no, nobody objected the first time. Judas objects the second time, and then we see the influence of Judas the complainer upon the rest of them uh, uh, four days later. Okay, There's some things going on here. There's something for us to look at there. There's a, a, a whole teaching in there about the, the influence of a person upon another person. We all have influence upon people, whether good or bad. And if we start murmuring or complaining or something like that, it's going to be picked up. It's going to go. If somebody starts laughing, it spreads, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does. But that's a, a, a very important uh, lesson right there for us. So there's the, the thing about the alabaster box and some things to look at. As we saw, there are three separate incidents. The Lord tells us there are different places, different houses, and different things happen there. And then the, what the complaining thing shows us, there's a process here taking place, a very negative process of, of the which uh, Judas was the instigator. Now we know that Judas is going to have a real problem later on, isn't he? So let's go down to verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box. It doesn't say it's Mary, but if you look at the other two, this is probably Mary, because four days earlier she did the same thing. She's got the alabaster box uh, with, uh, with the spike dart, very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, and they had indignation. Now that word indignation right there means, um, it means to grieve over something uh, have a very, very strong irritation about something. They're really disturbed about this. Where'd they get that from? That was Judas's influence. That was Judas and the devil's influence right there upon them, going directly against what was taking place with the Lord Jesus, okay? And they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? And we've already looked at the fact that Judas objected and now the disciples are objecting, the influence of complaining. And there's a lesson there for us. For how many have never complained about anything in their whole life? Now, we all do that. From time to time, we get, you know, it happens, eh? 
especially if somebody's around, keep it in mind that it can go over and influence them, and so on and so forth. Verse 9, for this ointment might have been sold for much. Yeah, it was, a, it was pretty, pretty uh, uh, um, uh, costly and given to the poor. Okay, well, we don't need to go and look back at Judas's objection and such four days earlier. But in verse 10, when Jesus understood it to know it, to know this was going on with them, he said unto them, them, okay, he's talking about the, the rest of them, not the one person, the rest of them. He says, why trouble ye the woman? Now that word trouble right there means to beat somebody. Not beat physically, but beat her with words. It's the idea of beating somebody up with your words. Okay, that's what he's saying. Why trouble ye? Note, ye, the plural, he's talking to them all. Why trouble ye the woman, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. You note that she said nothing. She didn't say a word. She didn't say anything, but the Lord Jesus Christ defends her in her actions. Okay? They've got lots to say, and the Lord's going to tell them off. And he's going to stand up for her. Because you're better to pay attention to the Lord first, first of all, first and foremost. And he says, for the poor, in verse 11, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Now, we hear a lot of things about, and it would be a wonderful thing if, uh, if, uh, if we could eradicate hunger in the world. You know, if they'd stop uh, bombing each other. Let's take, let's take all the, the money that's spent on missiles and wars and guns and stuff like that. Take all those things and tanks and stuff, uh, and let's buy food and give it to everybody. Okay, that'd, be, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Something like that. It's not going to happen, though, is it? not going to happen because uh, the hearts of individuals are dark. People are greedy. It's about money. It's about power. It's about everything else. The Lord Jesus says, you're always going to have the poor. You're not going to eradicate them. It's not going to be done that way. They're trying to make a one-world government, and everybody's going to have the same, yeah, yeah like nothing. Because the, the guys at the top take it all. That's, hey, you don't believe me, go look at uh, how those ones in, uh, the leaders in, in communist China live. Go look at Venezuela. Well, you know how we send things in that. Venezuela, that's what it does, okay? They're always going to have the poor. Can society eradicate poverty? No. The other thing we can see then, that we always have poor around about us. We need to be looking for them and watching for them. And doing what we can. Do what we can for anybody. Eh? Do what you can with what you've got, with what the Lord's blessed you with. Do something and help somebody. Make a difference in somebody else's life. Pour the ointment out. Take the money out of your pocket and give it to that bum on the street or whatever. Willie Mullen, the great Irish preacher, used to go down to uh, the railway tracks and under the one bridge where they, the, the hobos and that used to gather. Because he'd lived that life. He'd been there. He used to give them money and give them stuff like that, you know. It was just a fascinating story. And he goes on, the Lord goes on to say, uh, verse 12, For she hath poured this ointment on my body. As I said earlier, she started pouring it on his head and just ran down. She's just pouring it out. She's not holding back. Oh, you got oh, just a few drops because this is expensive stuff. She's just dumping it, mm -hmm. giving what she can. What's your most, what's your most valuable thing? <laughs> your life. Pour it out for the Lord. Amen. Give it to the Lord. Lord, what will thou have me to do today? She had done it for my burial. 
she understood something that the other guys didn't understand. They're fighting about money, okay? Arguing about money. They're getting indignant about it. She understands that he's going to the cross. How many times did he have to tell them he's going to the cross? She understood it. She got it. She understood it. She wasn't thinking about money. She didn't care about that. She understood that the most important thing was the Lord himself. Verily, or truthfully, or we, that's where we get the, the word actually is amen. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, that's everywhere, always, there shall also, there shall also this, that this woman, you don't have to believe it's Mary, I believe it's Mary, she was very close to the Lord after that first time, way back in Luke 7, okay? She, was, she just stuck right by him. She was one of the ones at the tomb early, wasn't she? The same one. She's sticking right by the Lord. That this woman hath done. There shall also this, that, that this woman hath done, uh, be told for a memorial of her, her love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Fairest Lord Jesus. We sing that. We must examine our own hearts and such and see, uh, yes, is he the fairest Lord Jesus in our hearts? And we would do anything and give anything for him, whatever he asks. So we see what the Lord uh, gives or does here in regards to this, uh, the lady there. I believe it's Mary. I'm just going to call her Mary. He's defending her against the disciples. Okay. Now, the women didn't have a real strong place in, in that situation where they would speak up at somebody else's house and that. Um, but nonetheless, and she doesn't have to say anything. But the Lord speaks up for her, and he says some great and wonderful things about her. Now, we want to contrast that by looking at verse 14 here. We're going to look at, I, I've entitled this message today, Thanksgiving and the Judas syndrome. You know, what's that? We'll get to that in just a minute. In verse 14, And then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests. His anger, his resentment, all those things just stirred him up. That was the last straw for him. He had to go out. And last week we looked at the um, chief priests and such. The religious rulers wanted to take Jesus and kill him after the week of unleavened bread because they were afraid of the people. But God says, no, 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 no. He's the Lamb of God. He's got to be killed on the Passover, which was the Friday, which was Nisan 14. He rode in on the Monday, which is Nisan 10. And like Exodus 12 says, the Lamb is brought, you choose chosen out, and then four days later killed, and that's what the cross, he had to die on the Friday, he had to die on the cross at the Passover. So the Lord went, went past all their plans and such, and poor old Judas, he's a guy that with the Lord Jesus, he's been with him for about three and a half years or whatever, he's seen the miracles, he's heard the teachings, he's just not getting it, and we can't, don't have to answer you know, why or whatever. He just was just caught up in himself and so on and so forth. The poor guy, he's not gonna make it. And God says, yeah, I've got a job for you to do, Judas. 
and the, and the devil had to enter him at this time, or in around here, and go and betray him. But let's just look at one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest. Now we want to look at what I call the Judas syndrome. I just made that up. You never read it anywhere else. Webster's Dictionary says a syndrome is a definition. This is what the definition is. A syndrome is a group of signs and symptoms that occur together and characterize a disease. Judas had a disease of rebellion. Mm -hmm. Okay, Judas had the disease of sin. The old nature just coming to the forefront. That's all. Always. He had that. He had that. We want to note some things about the attitudes of Judas. Okay, We know that the devil will enter him at some point around here. We want to note his attitudes and such and the syndrome he has, this sickness that he had, the sickness of rebellion. It's just simply sin in the old nature, just having its rule. The unsaved can't do anything about it. If you're unsaved, there's nothing you can do to hold back your old nature. The Bible says we just go about fulfilling the, 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 the lusts and whatever the mind wants, whatever the heart wants, whatever. You just fulfill those things. You can't do anything about it. And the Bible says in another portion something like the, uh, the spirit that works in the uh, sons of disobedience or rebellion or something. That's the devil working in people's hearts and lives. But let's notice the attitudes of Judas. His attitude towards the Lord Jesus and his attitudes towards other people. Okay, we just want to try and take something out of this for ourselves. His attitudes towards others, towards the things of God, towards the word of God, towards the workers of God. First of all, we see that he's disrespectful. Now, note the Judas syndrome. It's a sickness, and there's signs and symptoms to show. This is some of the signs. Disrespectfulness. He was very greedy, wasn't he? He wanted all the money for himself. He didn't care about the poor. And he was angry. He stormed off to the chief, uh, chief priests. That was his job to do, so that he would see that the Lord Jesus was arrested that night and crucified the next day. Willie Mullen talks about it. They're sitting around the room, the upper room. He talks about he's been was in Israel and saw some how they did their uh, uh, how the staircases were made and such, and it was uh, like stone and stuff like that, very hard things. And they wore kind of a sandal sort of thing, and he says. When they're sitting around there, and the Lord told Judas to go quickly and do that, whatever he's going to do, you know, going to betray, you could hear him walking out, you could hear the clip-clop of his sandals, and the clip-clop down the stairs. And the Lord never moved a muscle to stop him, because this is what was God's plan, that Jesus Christ would go to the cross of Calvary, be crucified for the sins of the whole world, the Lamb of God, it had to take place. It had to take place on that day. And Judas was the guy that was instrumental in getting the Lord Jesus there. And he died on that cross. Gave his life and his blood on that cross and died and they buried him and he rose from the dead the third day. And now God says to everyone, will you accept, will you believe in Jesus Christ? 
Will you trust in Him? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done, and you'll be saved? God makes a decree in the blood of Christ. And it's for all and for any. You'll either go to heaven or hell, one of the two. You go to heaven, Jesus Christ is the door. If you do not trust in Him, you will go to hell when you die. You say, I don't believe that. You will. I'm sorry, you will. I don't. Note the signs and the symptoms of the Judas syndrome, disrespectfulness, greed, anger, unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness is one of the foundational things in the Christian life. And if you don't understand what forgiveness is like, how can we understand the gospel? Is there somebody that you have not forgiven for some particular thing? Is there somebody that you're angry with? Is there somebody that you're disrespectful towards? These are symptoms of this sickness that ends up in a very bad place. You can't lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. You know what I mean. He, was re he had resentment. He had selfishness. He had a dislike. He must, have, he must have the last word. This is what he wanted done. Now, if I'm not going to do it my way, I'm going to go and, and, and tell the authorities. He leaves in a huff to portray. So we want to just compare these two people. Mary didn't say a word. The Lord Jesus looked after her. She praised him. She honored him. She respected him. She understood what the plan was and so on and so forth. And Jesus defended her. But in Judas's case, he betrays the Lord Jesus. He says too much. The Bible says he went to his own place. That's hell. He went to those who hated the Lord Jesus, the religious leaders. The Bible says it would be far better for him if he had never been born. The Judas syndrome. It's the same thing with, that happened with Cain and Abel. The exact same thing. Cain thought things should be done this particular way. He was told that's not the way to do it. Don't do it that way. He got upset. He got angry. He was disrespectful. He was resentful. He was selfish and went out and killed his brother. The Bible says because his brother was righteous and his works weren't. It's the same thing. The Judas syndrome. Do you have any of those symptoms? Check ourselves. Do we have any of those symptoms? Do we find ourselves disrespectful or greedy or anger or unforgiving or resentful or selfish or disliking of some someone or whatever <clears throat> we see those two things so we come to thanksgiving and thanksgiving tomorrow people will give thanks and hopefully to the lord as many people that don't know the lord they celebrate thanksgiving they don't know who they're giving thanks to i guess they give thanks to themselves and it should be god but Mary was thankful to the Lord and anointed him with her most precious uh, um, uh, um, possession, that oil. And we notice through the Bible that she followed him wherever he went in her life. Mary was very thankful. But Judas was discontented. And Judas was dissatisfied because he wanted more. He wasn't thankful. He wasn't content. 
He wasn't happy or content or thankful with what he had. He just wanted more. We have to ask ourselves, we say, well, what about you? What about me? We examine our own hearts and lives. And this time we come to, uh, time of year we come to Thanksgiving. We don't give thanks to the Lord just one day. We know that. We're thankful every day and every moment, eh? All the time. Thankful to the Lord for what He's done. As we understand, like, what, like Mary, we understand. And like that guy that sang that song was years ago, with the tears running down his face, he understood what Jesus Christ did for him. And is thankful. I'm not the man I used to be. Not the woman I used to be. We've been changed. But take note that Judas was used to do a terrible evil thing because he was discontented, dissatisfied. He just wanted more. There was just no thankfulness. Being unthankful will lead down a terrible road. It's the beginnings of, it's one of the signs and symptoms of the Judas syndrome. Anyways, that's all we got today. Thanks for your attention. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye now. Thank you.